Welcome to Unlimited Parenting, where we discuss having children with disabilities or special health care needs. I'm your host, Allison, and with me is Melissa, and today we're going to be talking about Idaho Medicaid programs. So without further ado, let's get into the stuff and the things. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. It's been a while since we've recorded a podcast together. Yeah, it has. So I'm super excited that you're back. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So today talking about Idaho Medicaid programs, which you may not know, or maybe you already do, is that this is an IPOL webinar and it is highly requested. Very sought after. Yes. We talk about it across the state. Mm -hmm. We talk about it at parent leadership. So we figured why not put it into a podcast? Yes. So... It's commonly referred to, you know, between us as the buckets uh-huh. of Medicaid. Yeah. So obviously, since you can't see this, I'd like you to close your eyes and picture. I mean, unless you're driving, if you're driving, please keep your eyes open. If you are at home, close your eyes and picture in a rainbow formation, these buckets at different programs. And that's exactly what it looks like on our webinar. So we're going to start kind of more macro and then get deeper into the weeds of the programs as we go. Mm -hmm. But just, just for a visual rainbow. That's our slide. You're seeing it. And I know this might sound a little weird, but I would like to start by briefly talking about a (laughs) non-Idaho Medicaid program. And how it ties in and can help support when you do apply for a Medicaid program. So SSI, Social Security, Mm -hmm. it helps, like I just said, when you're trying to apply Mm -hmm. for Medicaid. Can you tell, can you speak more about that? Yeah, so Social Security is a federal program. And when you apply for Social Security, you go through a pretty rigorous eligibility process. And that helps um, because Social Security has a a, a pretty defined um, explanation of what disabilities are considered eligible for Social Security, what um, traits and, and all of that. So if you are applying for Social Security, you are and you are found eligible, it fast tracks you in in Medicaid. If you have a Social Security qualifying diagnosis, you you then in turn qualify for Medicaid based on that diagnosis. So if you qualify at the federal level, Correct. you'll qualify at the state level. Correct. Eligibility wise, now not income wise. So uh, here we're in the weeds. We got right. there really, really quick. <laughs> yeah, we did. I'm already stuck. Yeah. Um, but we'll come back to that piece too okay. when we talk about Katie Beckett. Correct. Right. Yes. And income. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but just for now. While you're dipping your toes into the water, Mm -hmm. just know that it can help. It can help. And just as another facet of what it can help is if you apply now and your child is five, but your child has a qualifying diagnosis, however, you guys make too much money as a family unit currently at, at five years old. Now, when your child is an adult, and they are 18 and they are their own head of household and they still have these diagnoses, it makes the application process as an adult applying for social security that much easier because they are already in the system. They have an established documented disability before the age of 22. It's in there. Social security knows about it. You're, you're in turn just kind of creating a paper trail for when your child's an adult. And anything that can make that (laughs) transition to adulthood process easier. Sign me up. Exactly. Okay, so that's part one. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to Medicaid proper. Okay. So this is for children, youth, Mm -hmm. 19 and under, Mm -hmm. who are residents of the state of of Idaho Mm -hmm. and whose families meet the income limits. Yep. Which is 135% of the federal Federal poverty level. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say... Here we go. Uh, you. Brace. <laughs> what did she say? Buckle up, baby. Okay. Let's say um, you are a family who makes to essentially over 135. Okay. There's also CHIP. Correct. 
And that is the child health insurance, children's health insurance um, program. And that is going to enable kids whose family incomes are a little bit too high, but not quite too high that they, and they don't have employer based health insurance. They don't have another means to health insurance. This allows families to have a small premium um, for each of their children, but then allows their children to remain on Medicaid or, or access Medicaid. And using that pathway to Medicaid chip, mm-hmm. yep, they might be held to a small monthly premium, ten or fifteen dollars, yep. and there is a formula that they use yep. to determine that, and they also have hardship waivers. Correct. So just throwing that out there. Yep. And then another pathway to Medicaid is called Katie Beckett. Mm-hmm. On the Medicaid website, it is listed as the Katie Beckett program. So I'm throwing that out there. But for the remainder of this podcast, you will hear it referred to as the Katie Beckett pathway. Yep. So let's say you have a child who has a disability or a special health care need. And, you know, they need therapies. They need the whole kit and caboodle, right? And as parents... We make too much money to qualify for income-based Medicaid. Yep. But in order to get to the Children's Developmental Disability Program, Mm -hmm. we need Medicaid. So how do we get there? That's where the Katie Beckett pathway comes in. It says it's a two-prong eligibility. Number one, as a family, you don't qualify for income-based Medicaid. And number two, your child's income is looked at. So let's talk about that. Income and resources. So a 529 yes. does not count that as is a resource. Correct. If or, it is not in your child's name, it does not count. Correct. So under the age of 18, it is typically not in the child's name, but then when it transfers at 18, then it counts as resources for them. It's typically listed under the parent's name, and then may affect the parents if they were to apply to an adult Medicaid program like age disabled or things like that. It would count as income or resources for them. So if you're trying to navigate the Katie Beckett pathway, they're going to ask you questions like, let's say your son's name is Chad. Chad. They're going to say, does Chad own any property? Nope. Does Chad have a savings account? Yes. Oh, oh, oh. How much, does Chad have more than $2,000 no. in that savings account? Okay, ding, 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 we have a winner. Okay, Chad's a winner. So there are some income restrictions. So this is where we're going to bring back that Social Security mm-hmm. piece. If you are getting income from Social Security, that's in your child's name, and it counts as their income. So that's something to be mindful of as well as there's an income limit for a child and a resource limit. So let's say it's not a 529 or a Cloverdale account. It's your typical savings account, and it's in your child's name. And you have, let's just shoot big and say you have $75,000 in that savings account. If it's in your child's name, you're not going to qualify for the Katie Beckett pathway to Medicaid. So I would never give you a problem without presenting a solution. So how lovely of you. I'm going to pass it off to Melissa to explain. (laughs) I am the solution. I am the solution. Listen, I said from the get go at the beginning that I was going to lean on you and your real world experience. And I do. So tell us, me, the listeners, Mm -hmm. all of us. What did you do when you were in this situation? Yeah. Her, uh, we, her son's name is not Chad, but it is pretend. No, Chad, um, I do not have a Chad. Um, we were in this exact situation, um, and we created a special needs trust for my son. Um, so he, we moved all of his resources and assets over to the special needs trust. It is a special needs family trust, but that's just the whole legal jargon of it. But um, a special needs trust will protect those assets and then it in turn made my son eligible for um, Katie Beckett pathway. Okay, so again, this is not Melissa's specific situation, but let's say your son Chad owns mm-hmm. a home, like there's a yeah. home in oh, okay. his name. So, because when 
again, I'll bring it back to me. When I was doing the Katie Beckett process, they're asking me, you know, does your son own a car? Mm-hmm. Does he have any property in his name? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, absolutely no. He's right. seven. He doesn't own a car. Right. But then that led me to the next thought. What if someone does have, a child has a home in their name? Yeah. Does that just go in the trust? That can go in a trust. Uh, yep. Absolutely. And, and then and, it's and like we, it doesn't exist? Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Uh, I mean, for... For the, the purpose of this conversation with my son, um, he had a 529 that was in his great grandparents name. Um, and then he also had some real estate in his name, um, as all the grandkids did. And we had to move that into, yes, a special needs trust so that um, it wasn't counted as his resource or his assets. And so then it could not be counted um and make him ineligible for, for Katie Beckett or the Children's DD program. But now that we're on this topic, getting further into, into the weeds, weeds. Yeah. if you have a 529A, also known as an ABLE account, yeah. that doesn't count. Correct. Either. That is correct. We didn't have an ABLE account, wasn't a thing um, when we were doing our trust, but ABLE accounts now are a thing. In Idaho, Idaho banking institutions do not... I, um, you can't set up one in an Idaho banking institution. However, federally, ABLE accounts can be set up. Ours is set up through Chase. Um, I know people have set them up through Fidelity. A, a lot of other options exist. It, just because Idaho's banking institutions don't open, we won't allow you to open an ABLE account, you can't open them elsewhere. Then those assets in an ABLE account are not counted for public assistance means. Okay, so, <clears throat> sorry, can you think of any other examples of, so it's essentially if a child has property in their name, mm-hmm. if they have a savings account in mm-hmm. their name, social security. Mm-hmm. Um, the other instance that I have seen this become an issue is if um, families are set up to receive stock dividends in the children's names. Um, and that's kind of an outer liar. It doesn't happen as much, but that is, those come in the bulk sums once or twice a year, and those can kind of sway the, the assets of a child too. So those stock dividends are also something to consider as an asset. I really, for all in, (laughs) when we talk about Katie Beckett, normally this never comes up. I, I don't want to say normally, but Children's ass recently, recently, this has come up a ton. And before it never really was that big. Uh, Can I tell you why I think it's coming up? Tell me why. And I, and I don't know when you're listening to this out there in the world, but currently we have just begun the process of the public health emergency, Medicaid unwinding. Yeah, you're right. And I think that that's why we're getting a lot of these questions is because you you need Medicaid to access the Children's Developmental Disability Program. So during the public health emergency, all of that was put on pause. Mm -hmm. So if you had income-based Medicaid, you could still access the DD program. But then now you're off it. And so your option is to use the Katie Beckett pathway to access Medicaid to get to the children's developmental disability program. Cause yeah. the end goal, cause Katie Beckett is not a program Correct. in the sense that it's provi- it's getting you access to the services yep. and the budget and everything. No, that's DD. That's it's our, the yeah. pathway to get to DD. So yeah. I think we're hearing a lot more about how do I become eligible for that? Because individuals who are eligible for Medicaid based off of income are now no longer yeah. and they're asking, well, okay, well, I want to sign me. How do I, beep, boop, beep, bop, boop, I pull. How do I get the Katie Beckett program? program. Yep. And then I say, wait, 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 hold on. We want to get to the children's developmental disability program mm-hmm. and we use the Katie Beckett pathway to get there. Yep. I think you're exactly right. It just has come up repeatedly over the past months um, and I don't ever remember it being that big of an issue when, I mean, my son's 13 now, but when we were initially applying for Katie Beckett, it was, here's the deal. This is what you got to do. We moved everything. And then it was never an issue again, but that was my family. And then we moved so, on. okay. I'll save my story for the, for another bucket of Medicaid. Okay. So 
at this point mm-hmm. in our presentation, we now have Medicaid, whether that's through income-based Medicaid or the Katie Beckett pathway. Yep. We are accessing Medicaid. So now... Can I just put the disclaimer out there that Katie Beckett also, so we have, we have those whole, those income fund things, right? But we also have eligibility requirements where we have to have, and and this is potentially a whole nother podcast, but Katie Beckett isn't, um, you have to have a special healthcare need. It has to be, we have to have the eligibility criteria. Right. So, so you're guess, a, a child with a disability yes. or a child mm-hmm. with a special health care need. And there are about four of them that are automatic yep. kind of check. Yeah. So for instance, my two children check that they are mm-hmm. autistic. They check that box. We have another coworker, a fellow parent education mm-hmm. coordinator, Sarah, whose son has cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy. And that is an immediate check yes. in the box. And can you think of the other two? Because now that I put myself on the spot, I can't think of the other two. Of what? The ones that are the automatic. Oh, epilepsy. Thank you. And then, yeah. And then the other one is just a combination of complex medical needs. Um, or, And then we have to have three. We have to show um, deficiencies or deficits in three life domains. So I just wanted to throw that out there that Katie Beckett is a pathway to Medicaid that has some income uh, eligibility eligibility components to it. Right. That's why I was throwing that. In addition to the income, we're also looking at, so when you're submitting this information for Katie Beckett pathway and you're also submitting the DD application mm-hmm. at the same time, which you can do, you're also submitting, again, I'll just use my family as an example, the diagnostic report mm-hmm. from the la- that has to be within the last two years, a mm-hmm. uh, well child check. I'm submitting all kinds of information, all kinds of documents that show that this is impacting my child you know, developmentally, functionally. Absolutely. Within the home, community, all of these. School. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So you're, you're showing eligibility. Exactly. And that final process is going to be the Liberty mm-hmm. assessment. assessment. So Liberty is Idaho's independent third-party assessor mm-hmm. as of this recording. So essentially what's going to happen is I'm going to get paired with someone who, again, at the time of this recording, this is still being done on Zoom. Mm-hmm. So we're meeting on Zoom. Yeah. They want to look at my child for at least 20 minutes as much as possible yep. to kind of you know, engage, you know, like, hi, Chad, yep. how are you? Can you tell me what do you like to do? And I, and I know you love to tell that your son will try to push the red end yep. button and my son will turn his whole body around <laughs> and just ignore everything, right? <laughs> it's too loud or what have you, right? So they're going to try to get, but before this, it was done in the home, right? Yeah. Someone would come yes. into your home and your child was present the entire time. Uh-huh. So they're going to ask you, all kinds of questions yep. and it's a long process it's about two hours mm. at a minimum yeah uh, yeah i would say at a minimum it's it's a lot it's emotionally uh-huh. a lot um if you are anything like the two of us in this room you you answer enough questions with a no and then you can skip ahead it's yeah. like shoots and ladders you yeah. get to climb up the ladder <laughs> because if your child can't do x they probably can't do y and Correct. z right yep so it so jumps that, you. Yeah. I can kind of speed up the process, I guess, a little bit. But another just a little aside, I guess, is when we're answering these questions, we're talking about like what does Chad look like on his worst on his day? Worst. Yep, on his worst day. Chad oh. is having a terrible yep. day, you know. Is he We're not I mean, we're not wanting to provide false answers. That's not ever the intention. It is to provide what the worst day looks like in Chad's life because this is going to ultimately decide his budget for supports. And when you're going let and again this might be contentious, but I'm just gonna let's say you're utilizing applied behavioral analysis. Mm -hmm. You're using ABA therapies. 
when you're going and you're telling them, you know, this is kind of what Chad does. This is what he likes, what he doesn't like. You're not going to give Chad's best day. Mm -mm. You're going to prepare them with what you struggle with the most so that you can get the help with that. So that's the same thing we want to do when Liberty Healthcare is on your Zoom and they're saying, they're asking you these questions, you know, can Chad stand on one foot for three seconds? In my mind, I might be thinking, sure, I saw him do it the other day. Mm -hmm. But that could have, that was the first time I ever saw him do it. Yeah. So I'm not going to be like, yeah, of course he absolutely can. Five out of five. Five out of five. On every occurrence, can Chad stand on that one foot? No. Yes. No. Keep that in mind that it's every time you, every time you ask him to complete this task, mm-hmm. will he do it? And if the answer is no, then it's not. Yeah. There's, I think there's also, and it might just be worth mentioning this you don't want people to feel bad for your child or you don't want, you want to portray them in the best light. But in terms of services, we don't, it's not that we're selling them short. We're just being really honest with meeting them where they are right now so Uh, that we can get the services to get them. Exactly. Right. The intervention is going to help. So we have to be really brutally honest about what life looks like right now. And it, is sometimes not really fun to have those, you know, to, you have a stranger in your home or on your computer, you know, for two and a half, three hours and just talking about all the stuff that my kid can't do. And that's hard. Just know that that is going to turn into supports within the home and community-based settings to provide those interventions, to provide really, some solutions to help you move forward so that Chad can stand on one foot every single time you ask him next year, maybe. Right. But I also think that this might, I'm going to digress again. We are like, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. At some point <laughs> I'm going to give you the content. I swear. <laughs> but you know, next year when you do your reassessment, some things that some things are just, it's part of the system yeah, it is. and yeah. you have to take the system you as do. it is. You know, maybe you have a child who is nonverbal and because of their disability, they will never be verbal. But every time they're going to ask you those questions, you know, just does Chad talk? No, Chad did not talk last year. Chad does not talk this year. Chad will not talk in the following year. But it's just the system that and so just, you know, as a reminder, when you see it again the following year, it'll be the same questions. And some of them hopefully will have changed. Right. We should have new skills. You're right. Okay, so let's say, sorry, we have Medicaid and we've applied for children's developmental disabilities. Now we have access to what's called enhanced Medicaid. Yep. And again, you can apply for children's developmental disabilities with regular Medicaid. You Uh don't need Katie Beckett pathway to get there. But then once you've applied for children's developmental disabilities, you've been accepted you're getting that enhanced Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So that's home and community-based services. It's in the link in the description will be the Padlet with the whole explanation of basic versus enhanced. So coming along with this, we're going to get a choice. I've applied for DD. We've been found eligible. Here is our budget. Mm-hmm. So maybe your budget is 14900 Which is the highest budget for the state. What's another option? Um, eight, nine is usually about the second one um and then sometimes four to four thousand two hundred but they're normally split into those those about yeah those are one of those numbers will be the number that you hear or get or see so i've got my budget and now i have a decision to make on behalf of my child or with my child Mm -hmm. if at all possible right do i want to go the traditional pathway or do i want to go family direct what do you want to do So it all, it just really boils down to what you're wanting to utilize your budget for. I'm just going to use myself as an example. I utilize family direct, but not for the same reason that Melissa uses family direct. So I use family direct because I like the ability to purchase equipment that my son's occupational therapist Mm -hmm. has said, okay, Chad, when he's in therapy with us, he loves this. It really helps with his sensory seeking and it provides that proprioceptive input. And I really think that this would be a good use in your home to regulate him. And then, you know, we, we fill out a goods and service form. 
I give it to my support broker, it gets submitted, and then if all is well, we get that product in our home. So that's what I like Family Direct for. But Family Direct has another option, which I'll pause and let you talk about. Yeah, I love that option for Family Direct too. Um, It has given us the opportunity to get uh, a bike trailer, for example. My son is not able to ride bikes with the rest of the family, and it gives us the opportunity to do a family activity in the community just like you guys are doing occupational therapy at home, same kind of thing. But we utilize Family Direct so that we have the ability to pay a community support worker to take my son out into the community to work on goals and skills, um, social interactions, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but we utilize it to pay a community support worker who is a person that we know and trust in our family. Um, and, and it it gives us that opportunity. If we went the traditional route, we could potentially use a a disability, a developmental disability agency to provide that support or that worker to take him into the community. I like the opportunity to know and hire whom I want to work with my son. Yes, because with the family direct route, Mm -hmm. you get the agency. You personally have the ability to say, I like you. Exactly. You are hired. This is how, but again, it comes with a lot of responsibility. You're paying that person. Yeah. So I have to be responsible for, oh, I need to go approve time cards right now. You just made me think of it. Um, So yeah, there is a lot of responsibility. You can wait, you can fingerprint them. You can background check them. You can waive that. You can, you know, so it does come with responsibility. It also comes with a little bit of peace in mind that I know who I'm hiring. I can train that person the way that I want that person trained to be in my home, to care for my son, and to take him out in the community. But we also recognize that there are families out there who who don't have a whole bunch yeah. of people around mm-hmm. them that are like a pool to pick from. Yeah. And they like the thought of saying, well, I could go the traditional pathway where I say I would like this DDA agency, Mm -hmm. this developmental disability agency, I'll drop chat off in the morning and then I'll pick chat up in the afternoon Mm -hmm. or someone will come with chat and take him out into the community, but you don't get the budget in the same way. Correct. So you can't have the traditional pathway and also buy goods and services, a crash pad. Right. Or um, if you needed to make any small, minor home renovations, we had to do that for my son. Um, we were able to fix um, a shower so that it was it it was a walk-in shower, or it was not a walk-in shower, but we needed it to be a walk-in shower for accessibility purposes. That is something that can come out of your budget. If we were traditional, we couldn't do that. And another one is my son has just recently caused extensive water damage in our home. And so I brought Mm -hmm. that lovely story into work and I got a whole bunch of suggestions. (laughs) You know, you can use the goods and service form to buy water monitors or have you tried this and did you do that? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish it didn't take this (laughs) incident to let me do all of this. But it's just... Well, my incident also came from, or my knowing about water alarms also came from an incident. Right. So, <laughs> I guess it, if if you if you want to think about family directed, you can think about that old commercial. It's your money; use it when you mm-hmm. need it. Right? You have this budget, and you can use it for equipment. Yeah. If it's medically necessary, and it's not durable medical equipment that otherwise would be covered by. Your private or Katie Beckett in Medicaid. Medicaid. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You know what Through I mean. enhanced. Or... Through enhanced, yeah. But yeah. So can you give an example? Is that like a Hoyer lift would be durable medical equipment? Um. Yeah, that could be covered. A wheelchair. a wheelchair is covered. A walker is covered under durable medical equipment. So all of those things are going to come out of your insurance budget. So something that would be considered not durable medical equipment would be... Um, like a bike trailer, um, like, um, what else? Uh, a bath chair. Um, a crash pad. A crash pad, yes. I, I am um, not in a position financially where I can spend $2,000 mm-hmm. on this crash pad, but my son is banging his head into mm-hmm. the wall, damaging him yeah. and the wall. And my occupation, his occupational therapist is like, this would be a mm-hmm. really, really good alternative. And I'm like, $2,000? Yep. 
yikes. But for family direct, family direct to pathway mm-hmm. with that budget. I'm like, not so much yikes, mm-hmm. just more of, again, it's a system. It's a process. It's it not going to get here two day no. prime delivery. No. Right? <laughs> no, 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 it's not. You're not, you're, you're working within the system parameters. So we have to get the goods and approval form from, you know, a, a, a therapist and then we have to submit it with this plan. And then the, it has to get approved and then you have to purchase it. So no, it is a process, but it's a process that is available to you. If you went the traditional route, you wouldn't have that option. Exactly. But the onus is on you as a parent to really manage that. And once it's set up, I really, it's not, it's really just setting it up and getting the plan working that is so time consuming. Mm-hmm. Once, it, once it's established and once you're just doing those, you know, recertifications or, redoing the plan or upping the plan it's it's not that big of a deal no um in terms of everyday work it's very low lift because there is no everyday work no no it's just when you want to utilize your budget then and that's why you have a support broker and the support broker is really there to walk you through you have to have a support broker they're going to help you write your plan um and that's different if you are going the traditional route you don't necessarily have a support broker you have a case manager but you don't have someone that is helping you write the plan that is helping you fill out goods and services that is helping you through all of the processes. And again, I just want to add that this support broker is someone that you have hired and you are Correct. paying for paying them for their services out of your child's budget. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so this isn't someone that's assigned to. to you through Medicaid, like a case manager might no. be. The support broker is someone you seek out, you hire, they help you they manage you. the plan. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. again, that's hearkening back to the timesheets mm-hmm. and... Yes. hiring and training and yeah. all employee of agreements i9s there's all of that that goes into you hiring employees as a family direct participant but once that's done once you've done the i9 for your support broker once you've done all that new hire paperwork you don't have to do it every single year unless you get a new support broker <laughs> you take that back um so before we move on is there anything about dd Children's Developmental Disability or Katie Beckett Pathway that you want to touch on? Let's see. Before we jump the rainbow to another bucket. No, let's jump. Okay. And then let's jump. And then if you have questions, you know where to find us. We are always here. Right? Yeah. Literally always. Because we could have potentially just really muddied this water. I, Unintentionally. I don't think we did. I, I very much am a person who likes to know all of the possible scenarios mm-hmm. in any kind of situation. Yeah, and then there are other people who are the exact opposite of that. Just give me the minimum of what I need to know so I don't get confused, so I don't mess it up. I want one step at mm-hmm. a time. And that's why Melissa's here, to rein me in <laughs> when I'm like giving can... you every possible thing that could possibly happen. But I might have contributed. I'm sorry. Maybe that's my anxiety. Okay. I don't know. Tune in next time. We will um, find out. Okay. okay, we're jumping to the next bucket, which is commonly referred to as EPSDT or Early Periodic Screening Diagnostic Treatment. So we're talking about individuals who are under the age of 21. Mm-hmm. So if you need something... If you're a child and you need something that's exceeded the Idaho plan. Correct. So commonly where I see this is if we're talking about a child who is receiving occupational therapy or speech language pathology and they've exceeded the number of visits, but they've been found eligible for a larger number of visits. Oftentimes, again, even in my situation, I didn't even know that that the therapy clinic was was using EPSDT. I just thought I was getting all of this. And then I found out later that on my behalf, Mm -hmm. they were making sure that they could still provide all of this to Chad. Absolutely. I had no idea for years and years. And actually I had no idea until I started working at IPOL (laughs) that EPSDT is what was allowing my son to have three visits a week, 52 weeks a year of, you know, speech, PT, OT. We were receiving those. I had no idea that it was just done behind the scenes. And so oftentimes parents don't 
I think the the case where many families start understanding EPSDT or hearing about EPSDT is when we're really talking about out of home residential treatment mm-hmm. facilities um, and out of out of home placements that EPSDT then is really, really relied upon heavily. So basically to sum it all up, if CMS mm-hmm. or federal sure. Medicaid uh-huh. has a service that is allowed yeah. and it's not covered by the Idaho state plan, but your child has been found to need that, it is medically necessary, mm-hmm. then you could potentially bill EPSDT Absolutely. to get that service. So again, that's like a psychiatric residential treatment facility or something along those yep. lines. Yeah. And your provider um, and their billing department should be very well-versed in EPSDT and how to file those claims. And it's not something a parent just takes on no. and does the application process. It's it absolutely not. But it, it's a bucket and it it's something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. That it happens. So if you're being told by your child's provider, like, oh, you've you've got to your 17 PT visits a year. We can't see you until next year. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's, this is when we kind of pull that EPSDT card and we go down that, that route. Right. It's just another tool. It's just a tool. Yeah. In your bucket. Yep. Um, it's a tool in your bucket on your rainbow. <laughs> Where are we going now? I feel like I'm in a dream. Um, we'll move to children's mental health. Okay. So this could be as messy as we want to make it or, or not. Um, so we could talk about the yes system of care. We could talk a lot. And this is its own podcast. Right. Yeah. It really is. Which includes the yes program. Mm -hmm. Also referred to as 1915I. It's a state plan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's say you have a child, Chad. Chad. Chad has a mental health diagnosis. We'll just say he's schizophrenic. Chad is schizophrenic. Okay. Um, He is applying for the YES program, Youth Empowerment Services. Mm -hmm. He is under the age of 19. His family is 300% the federal poverty limit. And he is a resident of Idaho. All right, Chad. So Chad has checked those boxes, Mm -hmm. and now he's going to Liberty Healthcare, again, the independent third-party assessor. He's getting something different, though. He is. He's getting, instead of a Vineland. He's going to get a CANS. He's going to get a CANS, so child, adolescent, strengths, needs, and a CDA, Mm -hmm. or a Comprehensive Diagnostic assessment. So these people who are administering this are trained professionals. Mm-hmm. They're social workers, they're they have the qualifications. And they part of what a CDA is is it's a diagnostic. So my Chad, every mm-hmm. time we do the CDA in a cans, he gets a new he gets a new thing added. So maybe Chad originally uh, presented with schizophrenia but now that we've done a cda he has schizophrenia and separation anxiety i see because he meets the criteria at this point so what we're looking for when we're doing these assessments is and again this term could be seen as contentious but this is what it's referred to as is a serious emotional disturbance Mm -hmm. so what level of serious emotional disturbance does chad has does chad have is it zero for nothing or one to three three being profound. Okay. So my Chad has a serious emotional disturbance level three. He is profound. So as a result of that, we got what's called wraparound care. So through the yes program, through through the the yes program. And so now we're getting services. We have made, we have a targeted care coordinator, Mm -hmm. a TCC who is like a case manager they are helping us create a person-centered service plan, and we're meeting every 90 days or more often. We could be meeting as a multidisciplinary team, so all of Chad's therapists, occupational therapists, even individuals from the school can get in on this meeting, and we can all talk about what we're doing to help support Chad so that he can generalize these skills across all the domains of his life. So 
1915i, or the YES program, is essentially saying respite. That's what differentiates it from the Between. YES system of care. Mm -hmm. So you need one unit of respite in 364 days, and one unit equates to 15 minutes. So 15 minutes of respite, and the BPA voucher does not count if, if you're out there listening and you're already in the system. That's not going to count. So if you don't need to utilize that one unit of respite, maybe the YES program isn't for you. So let me... Can um, I go ahead. No, go ahead. Is it advantageous to have the CANS and the CDA completed for these children? Uh, uh, because within the DD program, that's not going to happen. Correct. I'm just curious. I, I think it is advantageous. Um, if you were seeing a counselor and you did not have the YES program, but you had, let's say, Medicaid, you were already doing a CANS. I get, okay. And sense. so that's something that they would want to update. I think it's every six months. And so if you've had one done in the last six months, it's possible that you could use that already established CANS to then apply for the YES program. I do think it's advantageous. I do really like, as a parent, that strengths needs assessment where we talk about, you know, like what, what, what currently in the home do we do that helps support Chad? What doesn't support Chad? Yeah. What See, are, what are we using and what could we tell providers yeah. to do to help support? Those tools. Those are tools that you could pull out though. Right. Potentially. So I'm going to jump to another bucket, but then I'm going to come back. Okay. And I know that's confusing, but let's say that your Chad is like my Chad and he's what's called a dual diagnosis child. So my Chad qualifies for the YES program at a serious emotional disturbance of three, and he also qualifies for the Children's Developmental Disabilities Program because he is autistic. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes, what, what are you really, really looking for in this program? And what is going to support Chad exactly. efficiently and the best? So yeah. you can get respite through the Children's yep. Developmental Disabilities Program. With your voucher, right? Correct. Okay. So in that case, my Chad might not need the YES program because Children's Developmental Disability with Enhanced Medicaid covers counseling, covers occupational therapy, yeah, covers all of those other services that he was utilizing. And before he had Children's Developmental Disability, Chad needed the YES program to access Medicaid and Medicaid covered occupational therapy, Medicaid mm -hmm. covered counseling. But now that Chad has the Children's Developmental Disabilities Program and a budget and we buy yep. equipment, yep. He, I'm now starting to realize that maybe, yes, as a dual diagnosis child, Chad might not need youth empowerment services because any longer it's a replication of services essentially or duplication of services yes. so when we're talking about dual diagnosed children it then becomes really as a parent and and if your youth is old enough what are we looking to get out of this yeah and maybe what's parsing down what mm -hmm. we don't need so okay that's if you're dual diagnosis but let's go back to children's mental health okay we're going backwards we're going back okay so let's say I don't have Medicaid and I don't qualify for Medicaid, okay. but I have a child who has a serious emotional mm -hmm. disturbance. What do I do now? Are you above 300% of the poverty level? I am. Oh, no. So no. the Idaho Department of Behavioral <laughs> Health has several regions mm -hmm. and you can call your region and you can ask if they have a sliding scale yeah. option. And in some cases there are parents or families who make too much to qualify for the sliding scale. Mm -hmm. And then at which point you're utilizing what your insurance will cover your private. Yeah. Either employer based or private insurance. Yeah. But, but you do have some other options if you're not qualifying for Medicaid. But what I have seen is there are parents who say, I don't qualify for Medicaid because I'm well above 135% of the federal poverty level. And I say, well, let me pause you right there mm -hmm. because there's the YES program, Youth Empowerment Services, that will get you Medicaid at 
300% of the federal poverty level. And uh, I know that's a 135 to 300 is a, is a large swath of families in Idaho. So there are some other Mm -hmm. options Yes. To help pay for counseling and, and, and then I'm going to go off on another side tangent really quick. Um, (laughs) I'm here for it. If you are the parent of an autistic child and you would like to utilize ABA, all opinions set aside, no matter how you feel about it, you want to utilize it. ABA is not coming out of your DD budget. It is coming from Optum. Optum is paying for ABA. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to the center and the center is saying, I'm billing Medicaid and you're getting kickbacks, that's when you're going to step in and say, are you billing Medicaid or are you billing Optum? Because Optum controls Idaho's children's behavioral health. And because ABA is a therapy Mm -hmm. that modifies behaviors, it's counting and falling under Optum. Confusing. Yes. So children's mental health, Optum is what's covering Mm -hmm. mental health. So again, that's when we're talking about those psychiatric residential treatment facilities. Mm -hmm. If you've been, if your child has a serious emotional disturbance and they've been found medically eligible for a psychiatric psychiatric residential treatment facility, maybe we're using EPSDT because... Mm -hmm. Again, we've gone into the weeds. So this, again, is further proof that literally any situation you have, you can come to us and we will... We'll walk you through With it. With our collective knowledge, yep. we will find the answer. Because that's just it. All of these different buckets all also come with different scenarios. What is your family at this poverty level? Is your family at this? How many? What's your family size? Every single thing is a component of eligibility. So, And often the buckets do not communicate. No, there is no talking amongst buckets. There's no walkie-talkies no. in the buckets. Strings, nothing. They are islands yep, they onto are islands. themselves. And they're islands within just health and welfare in general. So one department just doesn't talk to another de- department very well. However, here at IPOL, we we try to make ourselves know all of these buckets and know all of these systems and know people within these systems so that we are able to really break it down and make it parent-friendly. And you're talking to people who have been. Yeah, we've been there. We've, Obviously. we've been the systems. <laughs> We're in these trenches. Yes. Okay. You got two okay. more buckets left. Okay. Oh, I forgot to say, you can open your eyes now if you're still envisioning the rainbow. <laughs> Feel free to open your eyes. They pulled over. <laughs> they were trying. God, I hope you pulled over. Okay. Two more buckets left. Uh, we got children's special health care program. And okay. this is kind of niche. Oh, it's so very niche. I am, a yeah. ch- I am Chad. I am a child. I have no insurance and I have no means to get insurance. Yep. And I have a qualifying diagnosis. Yeah. I can have access to the children's special health care program. But it is like incredibly, incredibly niche. Um, It's cystic fibrosis. It is cranial facial. It um, PKU. PKU, yeah. Left lip, palate, orthopedic, combination of categories. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you have to have no access to other means of insurance. So you cannot have any access to employer-based health insurance, Medicaid, any other aspect, um, any other means of insurance will disqualify you from this program. What's a good example of a child who's benefiting from this program? The PKU kid. Well, PKU, (laughs) I say that, but then PKU can have other private insurance. Um, Cystic fibrosis, I would say, probably is one of the biggest ones. Um, Or cleft lip and palate. Um, uh, those are two areas where I have seen families really benefit from this program. Um, and there is maximum caps. Um, the cranial facial one though, will go, you know, will cover surgeries for kids that have the cranial facial, but don't have any means to, you know, so if a, if a child has some of those problems and needs that surgery, but they don't qualify for Medicaid based on income or eligibility or developmental disabilities, this program then provides them opportunities to seek surgery and treatments when they would have no other means. So another tool. Another tool. Another tool in your bucket. Yep. And this finally brings us to one that seems odd, like it doesn't fit. School-based Medicaid (laughs) services. Right. So, again, we're talking about the school. This is where we're talking about IEPs. Mm -hmm. 
related services in an IEP? This is where, and it's one of the questions that you'll get in the IEP, you know, do you, are you okay with us yeah. billing Medicaid? Mm-hmm. So straight out of the gate, I want to say this does not affect your budget. Nothing. Nope. It's not going to affect your co-pays. It's not going to affect your ability to, you know, still go once a week to physical therapy for your child. It has no bearing on those supports or on your budget. Essentially what it's doing is it's giving the school some Mm -hmm. money. You know, an evaluation could be Uh billed to Medicaid. Any related services like OT, PT, speech, PT, those can be built. Behavioral intervention. Yeah. Those are all Medicaid covered services within the school systems. You're just giving the school the option to get money from Medicaid Mm -hmm. to support. And again, if you say no, that doesn't mean that your child doesn't get those services. No, no, no. The school still is obligated to provide those services. It just, um, it provides them a little bit of fine. The schools are not getting rich off of our kids. The schools aren't making money off providing these services for our kids. They're not reimbursed at a full rate. It just provides a little bit of reimbursement to offset the special education costs. Our kids are expensive. And no IEP team is going to say, well, since you're lying to spill Medicaid, we'll throw in some speech hours for you. (laughs) It's not like a transaction. No, it's not like that. It's basically you saying, yes, I will allow you to Mm -hmm. build Medicaid to get a little bit of financial assistance, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yep, exactly. And some districts, tiny, 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 tiny districts won't even go through the hassle because to build Medicaid, it requires a little bit more work than... But the bigger just I, I shouldn't have even said that, but sometimes that happens. It's just enough, it's, it's just proof that there every situation is so individualized is, and yep. you should call us because we've seen everything. <laughs> yes, we really You have. cannot shock me. No. I swear at this point I no. in fact you know what? I challenge you to shock to shock me. <laughs> I challenge you. That you are so gonna regret that. I'm well gonna say I told you so. That completes the rainbow. Okay. Do you have any Anything that you thought of at the end where you're like, oh, I wish I would have said that. No. You're no. just silently giving me the eye like, No, I'm stop. just thinking like, uh, I feel bad. Like we talked about so much stuff. So please, if we confused you more than when you started this, call us. But I have two good pieces of information okay. regarding this. One, you can download this episode and listen to it as many times as you Perfect. want. And in the description, you will find a link to what's called a Padlet. Oh, good. And it is a collection of many, many, many resources on each of these topics that oh, we've good. discussed. I but feel better. if you want to talk to a human, yeah. feel free to call us. Yeah. You can talk to one of us. You can talk to... We're here all day. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone out there for listening in. If you are in Idaho or planning on moving to Idaho and have any questions on systems or services for children with disabilities, please reach out to us on our website at ipolidaho.org. That's I-P-U-L-Idaho.org. Until then, I'm Allison. And I'm Melissa. And this has been Unlimited Parenting. Thanks for listening.